It is March 20th, 2012, and in the Jack London Bar beneath the Rialto Pool Room in downtown Portland, people are struggling to find a seat to tell stories about struggling to find a seat on TriMet. This is some kick-ass Oregon history. Welcome to this special edition of Kick-Ass Oregon History, recorded live at the Jack London Bar beneath the Rialto Pool Room on March 20th, 2012. It's Humanity on Wheels. You can't depend on your family. You can't depend on your friends. You can't depend on a beginning. You can't depend on an end. You can't depend on intelligence. Jack London Bar. As I said, and for the late arrivers, my name is Doug Hank Crispin. I'm the Revolve resident historian of ORHistory.com. We produce a bi-weekly podcast series called Kick-Ass Oregon History, and I encourage you, thank you, to check it out. It's about five or six months ago, Dave from Dave Knows Portland um, and TriMet Diaries approached me and said that we should really hook up and do a TriMet show together. So we hooked up, and then later um, we decided that we would do a TriMet show at the Jack London Bar. Uh, I thought it sounded like a damn good time, so I talked to Terry, who runs the show down here, and she was down as well. So we need to give Terry a great big hand and thank you, because she is the shit. So in addition, tonight there is a drink special. It is called the Mad Max. It is a PBR and a shot of Old Crow for only five bucks. So make sure to enjoy that. Tonight we're going to hear a lot of warm, fuzzy stories about TriMet and people hugging each other and love, especially from Dr. Jeff. It's definitely going to be a night of advocacy, a pro-TriMet night. I'm willing to forecast a little bit pukey. It's going to be so happy and lovey. So I'm going to hit you with the real. I'm going to hit you with the other side, the dark side of TriMet. Uh, I'm going to tell you the dark side of riding the bus, which I do every fucking day two ways. By the way, I sit in the back of the bus, the very back row, so I can watch all you fuckers, because I don't trust any of you. And here we are today. I'm going to tell you why riding TriMet is a fucking horrible decision, and why you shouldn't take the bus or the max. You should just fucking walk the earth like Cain. So, our story begins. A graffitied wall in downtown Portland in the 1980s by the Galleria. Does anybody remember the wall in question? That wall, you all, you sons of bitches, y'all came from Boston like my fucking wife. Uh, the wall read Mad Max, Portland's death trolley. And I shit you not, this is real life graffiti. And it was a fitting moniker. For before Max even began conveying passengers to and from Tweakerville, I mean Gresham, <laughs> Max had claimed its first soul. Before somebody took a transfer, Max had killed somebody. July 28, 1986, a little after 11 p.m., 
Albert Ellie Jr. of Vancouver, Washington, was in a car that broke down on the Banfield. You're giggling, and I'm not making this shit up. I'm a fucking historian. <laughs> Ellie was a problem-solving, resourceful Kuvite. And he began looking for some wire or a nail to fashion a cotter pin to do a quick fix on his disabled vehicle, something with the wheel. So what did he do? He climbed over the three and a half foot retaining wall that ran along the Banfield Freeway. Little did Mr. Ellie know that Max 123, that was the number, Max 123 was in a high speed training exercise because they were to begin conveying passengers in September. Traveling at nearly 50 miles an hour, Dale DePell, TriMet's Driver of the Year in 1983. Did they take that back? I don't think so. He saw Ellie on the tracks at a distance of about 80 feet, but he was going 50. He applied the brakes as soon as he could, but it was too late. Mad Max claimed its first victim. Ellie was thrown more than 50 feet, and he died on the tracks. But of course, this incident is not the first streetcar disaster that happened in our fair city. On April 28, 1897, a streetcar on East Morrison Street broke an axle, skipped the track, and careened down a bridge, crashed through a guardrail, and plunged perilously, perilously into the slough below. The Oregonian reported that the crash of breaking timbers was mingled with the agonizing shrieks and pitiful cries of the wounded and struggling passengers in the half-submerged car. The streetcar started filling with water, and trapped passengers tried to break the windows out to escape the death trap. Some reported that they were almost free from the wreckage when others inside pulled them back in in a feeble attempt to save their own lives. Three were trapped inside the streetcar with rescuers unable to extract them, and they drowned. One of the victims was Miss Bailey, a 23-year-old housekeeper who, was in the, uh, who, in the tumbling, got trapped under one of the broken bridge stay braces. Rescuers tried to grab onto her feet and pull her out, but for some reason, Miss Bailey drew her legs back up closer to her body, and she died before they were able to cut a hole into the car and save her. Nearly 20 others were injured in this dramatic, historic illustration of death from mass transit. <laughs> and I want to thank my buddy Joe out here for giving me the heads up on this. Joe's one of my historian friends. We get together and we talk about whores. Um, they're always dead whores. Like, whores that died like 120 years ago. It's fucking weird. But it's fun. If you want to join us, shoot me an email. We drink beers. So I know you're thinking, yeah, you think I'm a dumbass for riding TriMet, huh, Doug? Because some streetcar fucking plopped in the slough in 1897. You're the fucking dumbass, Doug. No, actually, you are the fucking dumbass. Let's look at some more recent shit, all right? Let's jump to 1996. I quote, people started running towards the front of the bus stream, screaming, open the doors, open the doors, and then pow, there was a shot. 
I was looking right at the guy. He was bleeding. He was dying. Everyone was shouting and screaming. It was chaos. Gunfire on a crowded bus. No way of escape as bullets fly randomly down the long crowded tube on wheels. This was the all-so-real scene that greeted commuters on a Sunday April afternoon in 1996 on number six. That's up on my ass. A man simply bumped into another man, and yelling and chippy words started to fly. Soon a gun appeared, and seemingly unaware of the other riders on the bus on that Friday afternoon rush hour, Jason Clough shot Delroy James in the neck. As James fell to the floor with blood gushing from his gaping wound, passengers screamed and tried to flee the packed bus. You've been there. Imagine trying to get out of a fucking bus as some guy just shot another guy in the fucking neck. Some crouched behind seats, others jumped from open windows. As Bedlam and Mayhem triumphed, Clough delivered a fatal point-blank shot to James's face. As Clough exited the bus and ran, a buddy of James also got off the bus, pulled out his handgun, and started shooting at the fleeing murderer. And of course, all the other fleeing passengers. <laughs> he ended up hitting Clough in the ass. And Clough was taken to Legacy Emanuel Hospital. But this is only the first shooting that resulted on a death, in a death on a TriMet bus. That's right, only the first. The second was a year later in 1997, in August, on the number four, another bus I ride towards my house, causing the bus to crash into a North Portland utility pole. And this is my favorite, because I live up in North Portland, and I get down like this too. See, uh, the bus crashed into the utility pole, and for the sake of discussion, there were 20 people on the bus. While the TriMet inspectors and everybody else started coming by to see what was going on, all of a sudden there's 40 passengers that were on the bus. Bystanders had kind of seen it go down, and they just kind of stood around waiting for the TriMet checks. I'd be there too. Um, Transfer holding passengers have not been the only victims of the bus's wrath here in Portland. One peculiar and really gruesome mishap involved what TriMet has termed a bus versus operator accident. I shit you not. A bus versus operator accident. At noon on November 2nd, 2004, TriMet uh, driver Diane Booth pulled her number 62 into the Sunset Transit Center. Ms. Booth got out of her bus, but apparently she'd, forget, she'd forgotten to put the bus into park or to set the brake. Gravity took effect as she was standing in front of the bus. Uh, Ms. Booth held her hands up in front of her face and her body in a feeble attempt to stop the massive vehicle from coming, but of course, gravity always wins, and Ms. Ms. Booth was squished under the bus. Um, she died from massive head trauma and compression. The bus continued rolling on, knocked down the metal sign, and popped a tire. So to summarize why I think you are a dumbass to ride the bus of the max, I'm going to read to you uh, my historian piece from the conclusion of our podcast. Thank you. I ride the bus every day, 
every fucking day to and from my real job in downtown Portland. And I've pretty much done this since high school in 1984. Every fucking day. And to be honest, I haven't really seen too much activity to make me feel unsafe. I have seen some serious, serious douchebaggery and have been appalled at the behaviors of many of my fellow passengers with the exception, with the exception of some asswipe attempting to light some guy's hair on fire with his fucking Bic lighter. I haven't seen too much to make me fear for the safety of my peer passengers. No guns, no knives, and not too much drunken male aggression. For the most part, normal, everyday folks headed to work, listening to iPods, reading their books, sprinkled with a handful of self-centered dickwads that always populate the public conveyance machine. Yes, there have been shootings. Yes, Max has squished a fair number of oblivious, handicapped, or intoxicated pedestrians. But as far as most writers go, I feel pretty confident in saying your physical wellness is less threatened by getting mushed by a bus, and you're actually more in danger of catching a cold from some fuckhead in a puffy North Face down jacket deciding to open the goddamn window and on, on a cold winter morning. Thanks a lot, prick. Why don't you go out to Gresham, go to Ron Tonkin, and buy a fucking car. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. Nonetheless, do not ride the fucking bus. On that note, we're going to talk to our dear friend, Dr. Jeff. And he's going to come up. This man commutes four hours a day on mass transit. That Dewey is a real bitch. Come on up, Dr. Jeff. Compulsory microphone adjustment time here. It's kind of like following uh, Hulk Hogan with Gandhi or something like that. <laughs> I've got up the profanity level a little bit just for you guys. And I was really tempted to jump right into my uh, super love the bus uh, thing that I've got, but I'm going to hold off on that a little bit. Uh, my name's Jeff. I am uh, a, a serial commuter. I commute from... Gateway Transit Center out to Forest Grove and back every day. I ride the fucking Max and the fucking bus. Four hours a day, because um, I can't get a better job. I, you know. So I've got a, a lot of stuff here written down, and I'll read some of it and give up on some of it after I've worn out my welcome. Um, but the first thing I wanted to do was, I, uh, Doug and I knocked around the idea of some poetry. So what I did was, I was on the bus the other day, and I found this little crumpled up piece of paper uh, on the floor of the bus. It was a guy who looked a lot like Allen Ginsberg. Um, I think he's dead, but I'm not sure. Uh, but I wanted to read some of his, his poetry uh, that he apparently, after riding the bus for a while, kind of adapted for TriMet purposes. So I'll read you a little bit of this, and then we'll move on to something else. 
I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by schedule changes. Starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the transit mall at dawn. Looking for a hipster on a fixie or the number 51 bus. Anything to get home and away from the ancient diesel 15, the starry dynamo, and the rarely maintained machinery of TriMet at night. Who poverty and tatters and hollow-eyed and high stood in line at Pioneer fucking Square, no longer fearless and accosted by street kids needing three-zone holographic tickets in the supernatural darkness of pre-dawn daylight savings time. Their transit operators hold up in cold water flats, or maybe a nice two-bedroom in Gresham, a soft swing from the juggalo haven of the gas-lit Gateway Transit Center. <laughs> Who bared their brains and probably some guts poorly sheathed in inappropriate East County tank tops under the max overpass and saw McFarland's budget angel staggering to the finish line after what felt like 400 ill-attended community meetings. <laughs> One bare light bulb illuminating 7-Eleven donuts and a stunning lack of new ideas. Short of a survey fuel plan to just cut the fuck out of everything. <laughs> Savants expelled from academies of knowledge to rain terror on mid-level transit functionaries burning their monies in the wastebasket of the waking nightmare of a gigantic bridge over Interstate 5. <laughs> hey, who, who, Farlow makes $220,000 a year. Exactly. Who's, who's riding the bus home tonight? Anybody? I got bus tickets for you. Pass these around. Pass the bus tickets around. All right. Ride the audience. That's what I learned a long time ago. So, I don't know how many of you ride the Max much, but uh, I, I have been known on my Twitter feed, Dr. <laughs> underscore Jeff at Twitter, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore Jeff, just short of 700 followers. I need more followers. Tell all your friends. Uh, I occasionally gripe about the Type 4 Max. And Type 4 is the streamlined Max, the Max of the future. Um, or of the past. I don't know. Uh, I, I was on the Max a while ago, and I, I uh, panned a little, a little goodbye note to the Type 4 breakup letter, if you will. So if it's okay with you, I'll read that right now. Dear Type 4, I'm guessing that you know why I'm writing this. You can't be so out of touch as to have missed the signs. My petulant whining each time we got together, the chorus of complaints from your other writers. I know you've been paying attention. The simple fact type four is that you and I were never meant to be. Unlike your comfortable predecessors, you're a rolling body cramp, an affront to basic human needs. When an average height, average breadth, generally happy commuter such as myself cringes when you pull up, you can bet that those of not so average proportions must absolutely grind their teeth in trepidation when they see you. Restaurant, you'd be one of the places that looked all charming and rustic on the outside and then serves canned gravy and frozen beefs on the inside. <laughs> when I was in my early 20s, I managed a fast food place for a while. One of the restaurant supply catalogs classified their chairs by the number of minutes in which one could sit comfortably in that chair. 
you know, before they had to get up and leave. Fast food restaurants obviously went for the 10-minute chairs or so. You, type 4, are the five-minute chair of the transit system. Alas, my encounters with you last far longer than that. There have been times, type 4, that I've waited for a substantial amount of time for my train, only to find your streamlined presence fast approaching. And there have been times, I'll confess, that I let you and your stupidly named parlor and your too high seats and your cramped dungeon-like front row of pink seating and your scary old lady killing ramp step up just go on without me. <laughs> the mark of true hatred on transit line is when someone will pass you up and continue to wait for the next I commute for four fucking hours a day and I let that train go by. Do you hear me talking to you, Type 4? Do you hear the icy chill of rejection in my voice? They say there's someone out there for everyone, Type 4. Could it be that in some faraway land there lives an undiscovered race of oddly shaped, tiny, asymmetrical commuters with a penchant for cramped conditions and ill-conceived design? Let's hope so. For if that's the case, perhaps they'll draw up a tiny cramped petition that convinces the powers that be to ship you to that land on the next possible freighter. And Type 4, I hope that when that happens, if it does, your trip is the most horribly fucking uncomfortable voyage imaginable. <laughs> There's more to that poem, so I'm going to read that now, too. <laughs> Stuff's out of order. So when we last were with the poem, <laughs> who got busted by the deathly tall bearded... Did you see how I just kind of jumped right back into the rhythm there? It's not easy to do. Who got busted by the deathly tall bearded... Have you seen that guy? Who rides the maps? Have you seen that guy who's like eight feet tall, the fair inspector? I like, like show him my fare and then I give him extra money because he just scares the shit out of me. <laughs> Who got busted by the deathly tall bearded fare inspectors listening to the terror palpable the next train over, trapped between Jelwyn and Goose Hollow, streets of shuddering cloud and lightning in the mind, leaping a sleeping homeless dude curled up against the accordion midsection of Max, spilling under the motionless world of time in between. Except when the news cameras are on and healthcare for operators becomes less of an issue than a roaring winter demonstration of writing teen miscreants to new sources of income removed from turpentine drinking life and evasion. I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded kind of cool, though. <laughs> who chain themselves to Facebook and Twitter, impotent ashcan rantings. That's about me, that part's about me. <laughs> impotent ashcan rantings sunk all night in the submarine light of the 17, writing their privilege, phones lit blue as they rally their followers with hashtag tweets in the stale beer midnight of the original pancake house. Transfer expired, listening to the crack of doom on the hydrogen jukebox, mindless of the $17 million shortfall when compared to the brain drained of brilliance and the sheer inability to raise two bucks to get the fuck home. That's out. That's a lot of stuff. Oh, just a couple more things here. 
I, uh, you know, speaking of the budget crisis, I wrote a little. We have some luminaries here tonight, by the way. We have uh, Brock is here from the Sprocket Podcast. <laughs> I saw Michael back there from Portland Foot. Got Dave from the TriMet Diaries. We've got all kinds of celebrities here. If you don't read the TriMet Diaries, you need to read the TriMet Diaries. It's trimetdiaries.com. Best site on the internet. It was voted five years in a row by the Academy. Best site on the internet. So I don't know the Academy of what. I'm not sure. The Academy of Dave, I think. So I. Hmm? I came up with a couple of um, budget-cutting ideas, and maybe I'll just leave you with those. Um, you know, there's this big $17 million, $10 million, $3 million, $50 million shortfall. I'm not sure what the shortfall is. Um, but I think it's my responsibility as someone who commutes a lot to come up with some ideas about how to, uh, how to take care of that budget shortfall. Um, my first thing was I TriMet proposed to have kind of a unified fare where there weren't transfers anymore. What I want to do is random fare. So if you if you get on the bus, it's either going to be like free or or thirty bucks to ride, you know, from PSU downtown. And imagine how great that would feel though. You get on the bus and some poor sucker in front of you has to pay the whole bus's fare and you get to ride for free. So that's that's kind of I think the main thing. The other thing is, you know the poetry they have up in the buses? They should make those fuckers pay to put the poetry up there. I want to get paid to read that shit. I don't want to read that poetry anymore. My shoe under the couch. Lost my shoe. Shoe, I hate you under the couch. Pay $20 to read that shit, please. Um, they were going to eliminate some lines. I say eliminate all the even numbered bus lines. 50% savings right there. Uh, driver for a day. I uh, wouldn't pay like a thousand dollars to drive your favorite bus route. Right? Just be riding the 57, man. A thousand bucks, you get to take the people wherever you want to. Here's what I want to do: finally leave someone standing outside the fucking bus while I'm just sitting there at a stoplight, right? I'm driver for a day. And the last one, and this is the one that will make the most money, Stripper Max. They got the poles in there already. Portland likes strippers. Portland likes public transportation. Stripper Max. Thank you.
those people in from Gresham. Thank you. Um, I write a blog uh, called Mile 73. Please hold your applause. It's awesome. Um, and uh, I'm also married to um, Dave of Dave Knows and of TriMet Diaries. And so he would rather be drawn and quartered than come up in front of a bunch of people and talk about anything. So um, I just wanted, before I tell my story, to talk about TriMet Diaries a little bit. Um, it was an idea that Dave had in a flash of inspiration, one of those things, uh, basically plagiarizing uh, Muni Diaries from the Bay Area. Uh, and there started out as an event like this. It was, it was more people coming up to tell stories, and, and there was a uh, website to go with it. And so why would Portland not have one of those things? So uh, put it up, and it was a sort of leap of faith that people would want to contribute stories, and thankfully they have. Um, TriMet Diaries is not really wonkish, it's not really political. Uh, there are numerous outlets for that. You can speak to Michael Anderson of Portland the Book, or you could go to the pinnacle of human enlightenment and contribute to the Oregon Live Common section. Uh, and uh, so, TriMet Diary is not really political. It's more about stinky people. And really humanity on wheels. It's really what it is. It's, and, and thankfully, we have some wonderful contributors that are writing gorgeous stories. Dr. Jeff writes gorgeous stories. Bill Regan, wonderful stories. And other contributors as well. So please, if you have a story to tell, by all means, trimetdiaries.com. Please send us your stories. We'd be happy to publish them. Uh, and um, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, bus, transit related, that sort of thing. And maybe even some swear words, that sort of thing. Uh, I wanted to mention also, later on this evening, we're going to have an open mic. And you can come on up and you can tell your stories. And as an incentive, I wanted to let you know, we're giving away t-shirts. And they look like this. Beautiful. You want one of these, right? So come tell a story. So, uh... I will not have nearly as much material as Dr. Depp, uh, but, um, and I haven't actually written in quite a while because I don't live in Portland, but I will soon be coming back, uh, which we're very happy about. Uh, but when I first moved to Portland, I lived in Northwest, and I work in Sowa. <laughs> I love that we have a neighborhood in Portland called Soap. Um, so, Streetcar was perfect. Streetcar was perfect for me. Arguably the freshest smelling bit of public transportation in Portland. Um, though, we are still able to play Guess the Stinker on, on Streetcar. You don't really win a prize when you play Guess the Stinker. 
except when they leave, and you get to start your day with a uh, feeling of accomplishment that you were able to guess correctly. Uh, so, um, streetcar every day, it is about as fast as a grazing bovine, as we know, and um, I was on I was on the streetcar and uh, it was near PSU right before it turns on to Harrison. And uh, I noticed this guy outside as we were passing by. And uh, I wouldn't have noticed him except he didn't have a shirt on. And um, he was just the kind of guy you want to see without a shirt. And how often does that happen? <laughs> Not very often. And so I was like, what? It was summer. Okay, it was summer. Um, but summer point is still freaking cold. So what's he doing with that shirt? It's a being really good looking. And you know, he had the he had the you know, stomach and you know, he had the he had the collarbone and he probably had the V, you know. <laughs> I didn't look that close, but I mean you can you can imagine. But it's chilly, and, you know, you should have a shirt on or whatever. And I was watching this guy and it's gotta be 40 degrees, 40, 50 degrees sometime. And I was thinking, I was thinking, God, you know, he's got no shirt on. He must be so gay. <laughs> because you don't walk around with a, without a shirt, looking that good without an agenda. And so I thought, hmm. What's he doing? What's he doing? You know, okay. If it were if it were a heterosexual dude, it'd be what? Locked his key, locked himself out of his apartment, drunk from the night before, locked out by roommates or lady friends, all of the above, and not that good looking. So, uh, I um, he passed out of my field of vision, and I watched. I'm gonna watch that sort of thing. And so, you know, and at one point or another, I kind of turn my head back because I have some goddamn dignity and I'm not gonna strain my neck or whatever. And it wasn't until then that I noticed there were two other women sitting in front of me, just as I was, doing the exact same thing that I was. They both, all three of us, in unison, Turned our heads back after looking at the pretty boy. And I just, uh, we had a, I was sitting farthest back, so they didn't notice me. But I was like, yeah, heterosexual sisters, let's go get a beer! <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, women ogle too. Ogle, ogle, I've ogle. always ogled. Ogle. Mogul. Thank you. I, that's one of those words I've always mispronounced all my entire life. And then um, my only other quick little streetcar story is uh, 2008 Snowpocalypse. You remember that? I was uh, waiting for the streetcar in my old neighborhood. And um, it was uh, snowing. And it was beyond when we were still thinking snow was a novelty. This was, we were done with snow. It was no longer fun. 
but it started to kind of flurry and everything, and there was a dude there, and not the same dude, but uh, um, another good-looking dude, and he, it was a dude dressed up in, in drag, he was drag queen, and, uh, and he saw the snow, and he said, oh, oh, it's snowing, it makes me feel like a little girl again. <laughs> Of nature that he is and really pulling this together. Yeah. We had the we had, you know, a kernel of an idea, but really he's 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 the dude who makes it happen. So I think he should be the, the Oregon delegate at the Smithsonian. He's loving that fucking place up. So, so thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff London Bar, for having us. And um, please send us your stories to TriMet uh, Diaries, and you could be the next ones up here. So, thank you. Thank you, Heather. Appreciate it. And now we are going to hear from Mr. Regan, who's going to come up and uh, give us some more details tonight. And then we're going to have an intermission afterwards, and then we're going to open it up to open mic. And I think the bus is making out with someone. And there's still liquor, I assume it's liquor, on the floor. This is the kind of shit that goes down, down here the third Tuesday of every month. You should join us more regularly. Mr. Reed. If you 
If you hate someone for the color of their skin or their sexual orientation or for a television show they like, I don't like you. But otherwise, you and I are going to get along fine. I really, I like everybody, which is great for TriMet because when you're when you like everybody and you get to talk to everybody, um, it's it's nice. Like even even just today, riding home on the bus with my daughter, a guy was telling us a story about how he had done plaster work all over Portland and every hospital in Portland. He's put the plaster up, and it was fascinating to hear. Well, fascinating might be overstating it. But, it was neat, because it was that thing of like, wow, I totally did not expect this story on the way home. And uh, it was a priceless moment when he said, hey, will you guys have a good night? And he got off the bus, and my daughter, who's nine, said, what was that? <laughs> and it was like, honey child, that's, that's TriMet. Welcome to it. <laughs> so that's the thing. First thing you need to know, I like everybody. Second thing you need to know, I am a judgmental bastard. <laughs> and a hypocrite. And you all are very quiet about your judgmental hypocrite. And I don't like being judgmental. I genuinely don't because I really like people. The thing is, is sometimes I'll be sitting on the bus and I'll find myself fixating on like some dude's clown shoes, which he really are clown shoes in his mind, but they sure as hell are in mine. Or it might be someone like my bus driver today whose hair was the ideal haircut for a 1985 Bon Jovi video. It was teased right the fuck up. It was like, it was really like, seriously, nobody has like had an intervention with you and said, no, that's not really how hair is anymore. But it was nice. I mean, it was just, she was a very pleasant woman, so I, I just, again, judgmental bastard. Crucial for you to know that. Which explains why I was particularly annoyed by this guy with the Van Dyke on my bus. Y'all know what a Van Dyke is? It's the handlebar mustache that kind of comes up like this, plus the thin little soul patch. So it's uh, Adrian Brody is using it in that new ad for whatever razor. And it's that thing of like, I, I would actually, let me rephrase that. Adrian Brody is looking douchey when he does that <laughs> on that fucking commercial. It's really like, you're trying to sell a thing and all I can think is, God, what a fucking douche. I like this dude in some of the movies I saw, man. So I don't, I have sort of a weird natural anti-predilection towards the Van Dyke, which to me is sort of like, if you think of, like mutton chops or a goatee. If you think of um, facial hair as a competitive sport, the Van Dyke is sort of like the, I'm going to win this goddamn thing. <laughs> and so this guy would fucking, he had this Van Dyke. And I didn't know anything else about it. It's just, a, I mean, what can I say? I, he gets on the bus after I do, and I usually would sit in the middle, and he would get on and sit further to the front. So... I wouldn't see him every day. Like, there might be a month when I wouldn't see him at all, and then a week when I'd see him a few times. So clearly his schedule was much more flexible than mine. But, so he would get on, and I didn't have anything to judge him on, except, obviously, the Van Dyke, and how he interacted with other, other riders. 
And we have kind of like a regulars bus, which is a lot like a regulars bar, minus the social lubrication. And so it, there's a lot of quiet on the bus. And it, so it's, it's normal for people not to interact. But usually there's that little courteous, hey, how you doing? Yeah, good to see you, you know? And then everybody goes back to their iPods or their books or something. And this guy didn't ever do that. He never seemed to talk to anyone. He didn't even seem to be talking to the people at his bus stop. And so what I came to realize was he was just a hipster. And I don't dislike hipsters because Frankly, they're innocuous, you know? People who get upset about hipsters, it's like, well, why? What are the, the white frame sunglasses? That doesn't hurt you at all, you know? Somebody, somebody chooses to wear that, that's no big deal. And that's how I feel about hipsters. And in fact, somebody on Twitter who I can't credit because I don't remember who it was said the line that I love. I hate the people who hate hipsters more than I hate hipsters. <laughs> and that's how I feel. I feel it's like, y'all good, except for this one hipster who I fucking hated. And, and I hated him for what seemed to me to be obvious reasons. Because all you had to do was look at this guy and be like, dude, you're such a fucking asshole. And so, all aloof. And he's, you know, this. When I see someone who's aloof on the bus, it's, they kind of have that attitude of like, listen, this is just a temporary thing for me. You all have chosen this as a lifestyle. Me, my car's broken down or whatever the fucking thing is. And it's really like, if you're on the bus, you're on the bus. That's it, bro. There is no strata on the bus. Once you're on there, that's it. So, so I'm looking at this guy like, you fucking aloof motherfucker. And, because he's always sitting far away from me. Until this one day when he sits down right next to me. And it was kind of like, we're going to come to blows. I mean, there's, nothing, there's nothing else it could be. And so he started, I, even when I'm being a judgmental bastard, I'm always courteous. So he sat down and I said, good morning. And he kind of gave me that, yeah. Like the very bare minimum you can acknowledge someone with, but but absolutely no excess, no actual uttered word, no eye contact, and it was like, all right, dude, that's how it's gonna be. That's how it's gonna be. So he starts fishing into his bag, and I'm, it's like he's gonna pull out a book. I can see that he's gonna grab a book, and I'm thinking, Dave Eggers, that's my bag. You know, that's that's what's coming out of here, and maybe not, maybe worse. Like uh, David Foster Wallace. <laughs> like, and, and not only that, but he's, he's reading it without the footnotes, and we'll go back and read the footnotes later. <laughs> so I'm fucking ready, and it's just like, ah, I know you're fucking doing. Well, what he pulls out is a children's chapter book with large print, and I'm thinking, well, shit, dude. I don't know how to fit this into the Portlandia of your life that I've created about you. And this is a genuine struggle for me. So I almost wanted to say, hold on a minute. Let me, let me reconcoct my fiction and put this into it. So he opens up the chapter book and he starts to read. And I, I hear his voice for the first time. And he is struggling with words. And reading very slowly, he's moving his finger along very slowly. And I realize the guy has a developmental disability, and he's. And I'm an asshole! <laughs> There's no fucking way around it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there facing that reality of like, dude, 
the fucking shit you build up in your head about other people is a fucking farce, you know? And you're the only person who believed it. You're the only person who even knew about it. It's just this, and, and to, to kind of have to come face to face with that reality was was gruesome. I'll be honest. I mean, this is you can read about this on TrimetDiaries.com, and. The only way to describe it was I was suffocating with shame. I, I was sitting there in the chair and I'm listening to him kind of piece out these words and it's just like, you're a fucking asshole. You're such a fucking I can, I was, I was I, honest to God, Louis C.K. couldn't have been harder on himself than I was at that moment. It was just, it was so harsh. And when I, I you know, I did, that's it. I, did, I started to piece together the, this new scenario where it's like, oh man, he's like developmentally disabled, and I'm, and you know, he, the the whole the Van Dyke is only so that he can feel a little bit normal in a world that doesn't, where he doesn't feel normal at all. And then I thought, dude, you're really bad at making up scenarios. So stop this shit right now. So I just sat there and. Listening to his voice, and I'm just feeling like an asshole, and thinking like, you know, I'm trying to find that like lifetime movie moment where it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk away from this a bigger man, and it's like, well, no, you're gonna walk away from this an asshole, dude. And uh, so when it came to my stop, I said, you know, hey, have a nice day, and he gave me the same, you know, and I realized that is what he has because he doesn't want to converse with me. He doesn't want to deal with me. And I totally understand because I'm a judgmental asshole and he's got enough fucking problems in his life and he doesn't have to deal with me. And and as I said that, I said, have a nice day and moved on. And honest to God, with all my heart, it was like, I hope I am on your radar for the very first time. Like, I hope that you're thinking of me as, huh, I don't know who he is, but he was a very nice guy who said, have a nice day on the max. And not the sometimes judgmental asshole that I am. Let's 
me see your papers. There is your transfer. Has it expired? That was the bus stop. So those are my two 1980s open mic sessions. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next, we're going to have Michael Anderson from Portland Afoot come on up. And then it's anybody's game. So let's hear it from Michael. He began to, to do this. 
and he glared at us, and we were like, he's, he's going at it, man. And, and we, we met his challenge. We stood up, and we were like, come on, man, let's do it. And we all, we were all going like, <laughs> it was a battle on the bus, on the 75, we were all doing this, everybody was watching, and we were going at it, and it was fantastic. And he was like, all right, I step up my game. And he was going more intense. And we kept that going. It. And we, it was a battle. It was back and forth and back and forth. And then he stopped. It was like he wilted. His, his arm dropped to his side. And he sat down. And he was silent. And he got off at the next stop. <laughs> and I've never seen him since. <laughs> I swear to God, I've never seen him since. Uh, and, and it went on for like 20 fucking minutes and, uh, and it was really, really uncomfortable. 
uncomfortable until finally she just, and there's a pause, and then she just like looked him right in the eye and she said, sweetie, you're a real asshole, and kissed him and sat on his lap. And I realized that I'd actually been the unwitting audience for a scene that a couple had been doing, uh, where they decided, I guess, to like fuck with everyone on the bus. Um, uh, and I felt a, a little violated, but... Um, <laughs> you know, kind of admired them, because they really went for it. And uh, that was probably one of the most memorable uh, commutes on the 20 that I did. And that's Known 
is one of the best transit districts in the United States, and they're falling and actually nationally known, they're known to be falling. And it, 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 it's not a good thing. Thank you. I, again, I apologize. Streetcars, and I'm 70 years old. Been riding streetcars and buses a long, long time from Detroit. I moved out here to see what the, uh, you know, the American dream looks like. Anyway, uh, so I'm on the number 44 because I live in Southwest, and I'm on the bus for about 20 minutes. I'm downtown, and I uh, get on, and right across the aisle is a young kid that looks like he's going for a drum lesson. Now you've got him pictured, he's got his earphone thing going on, and he's doing this drum, drum kit thing, right? So after I look at this for about five minutes, and of course he's listening to his music, and he's doing his drum kit, I say, no bass line, man, no bass line. <laughs> and he can't hear me, so he takes out the ear, and I said, give me a fucking bass drum, man. How can you be a drummer without a bass drum? Okay, kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. <laughs> can't hear me. I said, the symbol, the symbol. Takes off his ear thing, huh? I said, how can you be a drummer without a symbol? He said, oh, okay. So, Again, I said, what about the hi-hat? You know, when the, <laughs> when the claps like that. So all of a sudden, he's doing the hi-hat, he's doing the cymbal, he's doing the bass drum, things are looking pretty cool. The woman next to me says, where's the cowbell? <laughs> yes, know what she said, takes out the thing, huh? Cowbell, there's not a drummer in the world that doesn't use a cowbell. Okay, so... Six people going on him. We came up with triangle, bells, hi-hat, cymbal, bass drum, snares, tom-tom, everything in the kit, but the kitchen sink. When he got off the bus, he waved at us and went off to PSU to learn to be a drummer. To PSU, excuse me. Doing this down the street. Thank you very much.
And so what I want to really drive home is that we live in utopia. It's, it's great. We have like maps and stuff. Um, but when people encounter this this wonderful, strange thing that's called TriMet, um, they will always ask me how to use it. And they ask me, how do you buy a ticket? And I said, you have the bus and you give the money and they give you a ticket. Or there's a ticket kiosk for, uh, for the Max. It's right there. It accepts your money. It dispenses tickets. It's a very simple system. Uh, they ask, how do I know which Max line is coming? And I say, they have colors on them. The yellow ones have a little yellow light, and the green ones have a little green light. Oh, because I'm from Jamaica, and I've never seen this before. And they're amazed. They think it's great. And then they ask me, which Max goes to Voodoo Donna? And I say, just let walk. It's over there. And they're like, which? And they're like, which Max goes to Powell's? Like, you can just walk, it's right over there. And, and, then, they're like, and then, then they're like, which bus goes up to the Rose Garden? And I'm like, it's the number 68, it'll take you right there. Drop you in front. Um, but yeah, they, they, they think it's just the best, most amazing thing ever. And they are wandering around like a small child on psychoactive mushrooms. Their eyes are huge. They're like dinner plates. This is this wonderful thing. And it's like... They're experiencing transportation bliss. And I love it. I love it. Every single day, when I walk around and I take tours around Portland, and they ask me, how the fuck do I use your wonderful efficient public transportation system? It prevents me from being cynical. Um, it really does. As many weird, drunk, stinky, silly, weirdo, meth-head juggalos might talk to me on a bus or on a max or something, uh, I always remember, isn't it beautiful? Do we have something that caters at that <laughs> Isn't it beautiful that I, a fucking North Portland hipster, can sit right next to a juggalo and we can share something? We can share this feeling of public transportation? Isn't that a great kind of we are the world feeling of togetherness? It is! It totally is! And so every single day when I give tourists advice about how to fuck to buy a max ticket, I remember we have something beautiful. And as many weird, pukey, stinky, drunk people might shove it in my face, I still love it. Thank you. It's going to be ass to mouth bus. 
because the bus that's due 20 minutes after the bus we're waiting for, it's so close behind it that it is literally licking the asshole of the bus you are waiting for. So um, I think this is the thing we need to start doing all of you on Twitter every time you're waiting for a bus and it's really, really late. Let's start hashtagging that shit. <laughs> Ass to mouth bus. <laughs> the lady that just presented, and he reminded me of why I love TriMet, and it's because of the wonderful people that you meet on TriMet, and um, my story is kind of sappy and kind of egotistical, but hey, this is my perspective on things, so okay. Um, so there I am, just sitting there, minding my own business, and this lady comes up and she asks me, totally out of the blue, hablas espanol? I'm like... See? Hola? I mean, and I actually do speak Spanish, so it was like a really weird welcome, kind of like, oh my god, do I look like a Spanish speaker? Not that that's a bad thing, but I was really happy for it. I was like, awesome! Someone was like, hey, do you speak Spanish? And I was like, yeah, I speak Spanish. And so then we started talking, and she had some questions. She's like, so where does this Max train go? I just moved to the area. And I was like, oh yeah, blah, 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 telling her all about it, and like Beaverton and the west side, because that's where I live. Beaverton, west side, yeah. Who lives on the west side? South America, and I was just like, oh my god, this is so interesting, and I love talking to you, and I was so, yeah, okay. So I just love TriMet for the people that you meet on TriMet, and the weird connections that you get, and how that's so awesome and random and awesome. Okay, and then um, I had something else I wanted to say, but I'm totally blanking on what it was right now, so I might come back. So I'm going to pass along the mic. Yay for the awesome people you meet. system to use it as a chair yeah. which is to say that I get on the mats with my little kids bike and I go up to the zoo and I bomb down the hill and it's a lot of fun and the best part about it is that the uh, max operators are really really uh, friendly to us sometimes they'll get on the PA and they'll say hey have a nice run when we get off and uh, one time even uh, there was a uh, Transylvanian Orchestra concert that had just gotten out. Uh, and so the match was packed with people coming back from that concert. And the, the max operator was good enough to introduce us to them and, and say, 
you know, concert goers, these are the zoo bombers, they're, they're going up the hill to go bomb. And this is what they do, and just say hi to them, zoo bombers, please make space for them. It was really great. So I, I really love Matt's operators. Uh, this story is actually about a time when uh, the Matt's operator had no idea what was going on. I was on this train, uh, in Old Town, this guy got on and walked directly up to someone's uh, service animal, it was a dog, and uh, started barking at it. Uh, and then, you know, took, took a break and was like, hey, can I talk to your dog? And the person was like, oh, yeah, if you want him. And he continued barking at the dog as we went over the steel bridge and continued east. And then he started harassing other passengers, you know, as we're going across the steel bridge. And he was getting really nasty. And all the time, there's this, like, IT dude. Uh, I mean, that's what I assume he is. He's, like, wearing all black. He's a big guy. Wearing a utility and, uh, he's sitting there with like three slices of pizza on a paper plate and he's just sitting there and just kind of watching what's going on and he's really getting tired pretty clearly of what's going on and when we pull up to the rose quarter uh, he, uh, he he realizes that this is getting bad and I only say this in retrospect because this jumped out of me out of nowhere I didn't expect this coming I also volunteer for the Portland International Film Festival, and there's this weird uh, phenomenon there where, unlike other movies that you see, at the end of a PIF movie, people clap for it like it's a live performance. Like, oh my god, oh, good job, Ecuador. So, <laughs> what happened here was this guy was being so obnoxious, he was done barking at the dog, he was now like abusing this woman, just kind of screaming at her. And uh, the doors opened for the Rose Garden, and he went to step off, and the doors went to close, and he blocked them, and they stayed open. And then they started to close again, and boom, IT dude steps up, walks up to him as he's turned his back to the doors, and right as the doors are about to close, he just shoves him out the door. He falls down flat out on the pavement, the doors close, and the whole group just erupts into applause. And it wasn't for some filmmaker two years ago in Ecuador who made this movie. It was a movie that was right there. It was live. And people loved it. And then he sat down and he ate his pizza. And I really loved that guy for that moment. Actually, um, my name is Ian, and I want to tell you a little story. And actually, uh, the number 13 over here is going to help me out, but hold on a second, hold on a second. So, uh, Carl, Carl kind of beat me to it. Um, I want It's sort of obligatory uh, to tell a bicycle story about transit. If you know what I mean. It is Portland, right? So, uh, I, where, where I'm from, I'm, I'm uh, which is here, but I'm sort of known as the bike guy a little bit. Everybody knows one, right? You've got one at your workplace, that creepy guy, he rides a bike all the time. He kind of wears bright colors, even to meetings. All right, that used to be me. So, um, before I got to that point... <laughs> I'm buying your drinks. So, uh... Oh, I'm for those! 
I used to be I used to be a, a real part time part time bike guy and a part time bus guy, and I rode the bus a lot. Actually, I rode the bus all the way from Vancouver. Anybody ride the number five? Remember the number five? Woo-hoo! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Interstate looked a lot better under four wheels. Let me tell you. No, actually, I still love it today. So. Um, I used to ride a lot, and then I decided one day, you know, I should try this year-round biking thing. Let's try this. Somebody said, oh yeah, there's there's a few people here who think that's funny. So so the first year, I decided to get really all up in this bike thing. I was a little gregarious about the whole thing. And I'm out riding one night, and I'm real proud of myself for riding my bike home instead of riding transit, thinking I'm only one flat tire away from getting on the bus, but that's okay. And uh, I, I'm at the intersection of 7th and Morrison. Do you guys know where that is? Everybody knows, or, uh, sorry, 7th and Belmont. I'm at 7th and Belmont. I'm going east. And I'm right there at the intersection, and I, I lived up at 23rd and Manhill, so I'm going straight up Belmont. And I'm thinking, you know, there's a bike lane. It's like midnight, I got this, it's all me. So I look over to my right, and uh, here's this bus just sitting there chilling, lights on, people on the bus. And uh, this bus, yeah, no, just like this one. Just like this one right here. And uh, we're like this, hold on, come over here. You're on the right side. Whoa, 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 here, we'll do it this way, we'll do it this way. I'm drunk. Oh, here, yeah, let me help you out. Oh, yeah, oh, sorry. No, now you're good. So, so I'm right next to the bus. I'm in the bike range, and I'm on the bike, and I'm right next to the bus. And I, I didn't realize the bus is, you know they have a PA? Like, they can talk to you out of that thing. Yeah. And I'm right here, and I hear, I hear out of the bus, I hear, Hey, you on the bike. Stop biking. Sorry. You want a race? <laughs> I'm not going to say I was drinking, but I said, I'll fucking take you. <laughs> so we, we stare each other down, and then this is better. He gets back on the mic and says, Hey, everybody on the bus, I'm going to race this guy on the bike. <laughs> I thought, holy shit, I got an audience. awesome. <laughs> So we fucking take off. I mean, seriously, it was like a drag race. Like that light, I swear there were like six red lights all of a sudden. Bam, go. Take off. And by the way, I was younger and thinner than I am now. So I'm just fucking cooking. I'm like, of course. So I get a few blocks. I'm up about, you know, uh, the bowling alley. And he passes me. I'm like, oh, shit. I mean, I thought I was made out of diesel, but this guy. So. He gets up there, and I'm like, oh shit, he's got a stop. There's a stop between 11 and 12. This is perfect. So he pulls over across me, and I'm just, I'm hauling ass. And I get up there, and right as I get past him, I hear the bus say, just because I have to stop doesn't mean you're going to win. beat him to my house, but I'm not really sure I won, because uh, Charmant's pretty fucking awesome. So, that's my story.
So I, I start, I light off, I start sprinting down 82nd Avenue, northbound, following the, the line 72 up towards Duke Street. But even, even a chain bus at 20 miles an hour is faster than I can run. And uh, the light cycle was not in my favor, so it just uh, trundles off, leaves me behind. The next bus comes not to, not like 10 minutes later, like it's usually scheduled, but about 35 minutes later. So we're all standing there at Duke Street and 82nd, kind of looking at our watches. People are consulting their smartphones. I'm a guy without a phone uh, by choice because I like the slower lifestyle, uh, but that's a time at which you, you kind of wish you could call your employer and tell them that you're going to be late for work. <laughs> so I get on the bus. Uh, I'm already a half hour behind my commute, and we're trundling along at 20 miles an hour with chains on the bus. And uh, I, I figure I've got a call. i got to let them know that I'm going to be a little bit late. And so uh, I, uh, we stop at Gleason, and uh, there is a burger bill there. I do have an iPhone. It's not hooked up to a cell phone plan. So we're sitting at the burger bill, and I'm like, maybe I can catch the wireless network and Skype to, uh, to my employer, tell them I'm going to be late. So I connect the burger bill Wi-Fi, and I was just like, Gee, there it is. So I, I open Skype, and I'm dialing work, and uh, it's kind of like, <laughs> and they can't understand me, I can't understand them, and the bus leaves, and I'm, I'm out of signal again. So there's this big guy sitting next to me, he's like 300 pounds. And uh, I, I'm not scared of people, but sometimes people are just intimidating, and I'm thinking, maybe this guy has a phone. And he's kind of scared. So I turn to him and I'm just like, can I borrow your phone? And he's like, sure, here you go. And he just passes it right off me. So I call work, let him know I'm going to be late. I get all the way up to Alberta and 15th, and that's the point at which uh, you transfer to the Line 8 going northbound up towards Marine Drive. And the, uh, the famous Judas truck stop. So as I'm giving off, literally as I'm giving off the 72, it arrives at the precise moment for the number eight to roll away without me. And this time I say, I am not fucking being this late for work. I'm not going to miss the bus again. So I light off and I chase it down 15th Avenue. And I'm running as hard as I can. I'm seeing the bus up there impossibly far ahead of me. And it's sitting at a red light at Killingsworth. And I'm saying, can I make it? I have no idea. And I'm panting. I, you know, I'm out of shape. It's winter. I, I don't exercise outside of bicycle riding. I'm, I'm, I'm a fat ass. And so I'm, I'm just running as fast as I can, thinking this is hopeless. I'm going to be tired and late and probably maybe even I'll lose my job. Who knows? But as I run, the red light miraculously stays red. And the bus sits there. And so I run harder and faster. And I finally get up, exhausted and panting. And I, I look at the, the bus driver through the doors of the bus. And he kind of looks over at me, nonplussed. Oh. Swings the door open. Jubits to 15th and Killingsworth. This guy's a fucking superhero, man. <laughs> Talking about how fat he is. Fuck you, Brock. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I'm not that gay, but what are you doing next to you? <laughs> a little bit gay. Just a little bit. Any other stories? We've yet to hear a try that blowjob story. I got like millions of them. <laughs> Jesus. No more the number 13, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Any other stories for us today? Oh, oh, wait, wait. We're not quite done. Was it the blowjob that, that kind of keyed you in? No. Okay. 
I could be oh, double oh, fisting please, 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 right please, now, please. but I'm not. My name's Stephen. I live downtown. And uh, it was. Uh, I'm sorry, what? Close to the mic. Close to the mic. How's that? Okay, so my name's Stephen. I live downtown. I actually live on Fourth Avenue between Washington and Star, which is. Sad for me, you guys should all be sad. But um, I was just going to tell you, I, uh, I one morning I go to this meeting that starts at 6.30 a.m. Um, some of you might have an idea about my 12-step uh, program. So anyway, um, first bus, the 15, I'm going, it stops at Washington and uh, 5th. And it's kind of an opposite story to the one that was just told. And I'm going to say, I love TriMet. I have friends who live in Alabama, which is also, I'm originally from Southern California, but lived in Birmingham, Alabama for a while. And uh, when I first moved out here, he said, uh, he said, man, I heard they've got one of the best transportation systems. And I said, you know, it's amazing how great a system it is. But anyway, this particular morning, first bus, the first bus in the morning at 5th and Washington. So I'm wait. no, I'm actually a little late. <laughs> and it's not that far a distance, but I can't run because of a injury. And um, sometimes I just say, fuck it, you know, I'm not going to make it, so oh well, and just wait for the next bus. But this particular bus is one I needed to take because I was a speaker at this meeting. And um, so anyway, I'm walking to catch up, get the bus, and the bus takes on the passengers, and then, <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> Still got your beer? Um, okay, so anyway, I get to the bus and he had just pulled out, but it was a red light. And so I stood at the door and went, and he looks at me and he turns away. And so then I knock on the door and I say, Come on, he's, he's you know, flip him off, like somebody else had said, double flip off. And I also shouted as loud as I could, you motherfucking piece of motherfucking shit. Yeah. And everybody on the bus clapped. <laughs> said about drivers and I want to say a little story about what's great about the passengers. Um, last, uh, right now I'm driving the 8 and the 94 and uh, before I drove the 6 and the, uh, the 6 and the 35 and uh, 
Despite uh, people always warn, said, oh, the six, it's a horrible road. It's, you know, the passengers are awful. And, uh, and I've, been, I've also driven the 72, and it's commonly referred to as the Jerry Springer bus. But both buses have been fine and aren't any major issues, um, except during training. The guy who was training me was driving the 72, and this guy was giving him a hard time. And wouldn't get off the bus, and he just started uh, closing the door on the guy. <laughs> and that didn't really calm him down at all. It just sort of made him more upset. But he did eventually get off. Um, anyway, the story I wanted to tell was I was driving the 35, and it was right after that snow a few months ago. And Fred gets a little freaked out when it snows and puts chains on every bus. And, and um, and uh, they didn't have chains on this bus, though, because it had the automatic chains. And uh, but I get out there in the, uh, to on McAdam near Selwood Bridge, and there's a tree down across the entire road. Um, so I have to turn around, and uh, I call dispatch to say the road's blocked. And uh, start going back, and I figure I'm just going to let everyone off at Lake Oswego. And, um, uh, and then as soon as I get to Lake Oswego, they say, oh, we have a reroute for you. We're just to go up and around this block I'm going, uh, going around this other way. And so I had already gotten to Lake Oswego, so I have to turn around. And they ended up going down the street. I wasn't, shouldn't have gone down. And uh, then have to go around this roundabout, but the bus doesn't really fit around. So I have to back up three or four times. Have to go around this truck that's blocking the way. Um, and then eventually get uh, back to the reroute. Stopped deadlocked with traffic the whole way. Um, so a trip that should take about 10, 20 minutes ends up taking two hours <laughs> from, um, from Lake Oswego to downtown. Not one complaint from one passenger. And at the end, everyone thanked me and, uh, and said, thanks for your patience. Thanks for my patience. So thanks for that. Jacob and uh, I have a story. It's about snow. Well, more like black ice. Seems like winter is Primus Kryptonite. <laughs> and to try to solve their issue with the ice and snow, they put a lot of effort in trying to works and you know putting chains on all the buses. Well, I had a commute where you had to, I had to take the twelve. I had to walk half a mile to the bus stop. It wasn't too bad, it wasn't too slippery out. But all the buses were chained and there was black ice probably on the streets. So um, eventually I had to wait in the cold for a bus and the abandoned uh, tracker wasn't really helping me very much. And I was just wondering where the hell my bus? Where's my bus? So uh, I waited a little bit and a little bit and kept getting more and more frustrated and I decided just to take a walk. I walked about another half a mile from one bus stop to the other. The opposite way of where I needed to go. I was going east. I wanted to go east to go downtown so I could take the max. And uh, I found a bus stop that actually had a shelter because it wasn't before it were this cold. And, uh, that's a lie, but uh, anyways, uh, tried the one stop, had a shelter, one I usually go to, but the next one didn't, and the next one didn't. I finally found another one with a shelter, and there were some people waiting there, and they were pretty frustrated. They were like, where the hell is this bus? We'd be back to work. I didn't want to be late to work, because the place I was working at, they needed a point system, and if 
you're way too many times you get booted, so uh, I didn't really want that to happen. So, uh, it's getting really close to when it would be possible for me to take a later bus and get downtown in time to catch the max so I can go to work and be with him. And uh, it time passes. And uh, the only other bus that goes down that goes down Barber is an express bus, and uh, I saw two of them pass by. They don't usually do that. I usually only see one right before my bus. The fact that I saw two express buses go by wasn't a good sign, was it? I mean, they don't run that often. It's a couple times a day. So. Oh. So I get frustrated and I'm panicking. I don't want to be late to work. I hadn't been late once. I hadn't even been sick, taking any sick days anyway. So I was like, I gotta pay $30 to call a taxi. So I think Radio Cab must have made a lot of money that day. Because there are people like me just waiting for a bus not to show up. So as I'm. The cab finally gets there, and um, suddenly, it's all showing up. And another one. And another one. There were five or six toes all in a row for the, for the bus parade. I couldn't believe my eyes, but the thing was I would have been late if I'd taken any of them. So, in conclusion, bus parade. For a year or so, I was taking the number 15 from what was then Peachy E Park to 40th and Belmont, and uh, pretty uneventful, except one day I got on the bus, and then uh, this is a story actually that TriMet either learns or has imaginative people who come up with really interesting ideas. But unlike some bureaucracies, they're able to get over them if they turn out to be really bad ideas. And maybe the 13 Gresham could illustrate this. I'm not sure I can remember the language. But this particular day, I got on the bus, and the bus leaves the now general field stop and turns left on Lincoln. And the bus turns left on Lincoln, and it just turned left on Lincoln, and then it went across the bridge, and it stopped at uh, a stop on Belmont. And when it pulled out of the stop, there was a mechanical voice that said, and maybe some of you will remember this if you were on that bus, uh, the bus is turning left, the bus is turning left. Please pay attention, the bus is turning left. Because there had been a, um, some deaths associated with turning buses. And the bus wasn't actually turning left, the bus was just pulling out of the bus stop. So we all just sat there and like, mm, there it is, the automatic trigger that doesn't relate to anything. And so that's what happened as you went through all the stops. You would pull out of the stop and the bus would say, the bus is turning left, the bus is turning left. Please, I don't know, get out of the bus's path. Number 13, Gresham, do you remember what that boss said? No. <laughs> the thing is, for several weeks we were all disconcerted by the fact that the bus was warning 
and I was sitting on the mat with my, my friend from class, and we were both discussing how very, very tired we were. And then all of a sudden, the guy sitting across from us exclaims, Crack! I can smoke crack! I don't smoke crack no more! And to us, that seemed very strange because all of a sudden, there's this guy just screaming about crack. Little known, you know, we didn't realize at the time, of course, that the guy sitting next to the guy screaming about crap was trying to sell said screamer about crap, some crap. And uh, since he did make a scene on the Max, the crap dealer got off at the very next stop. However, the uh, the crap screamer led to the bus kind of, it, it, the, the train kind of turned into a quasi Quentin Tarantino movie in which uh, the guy across from us, the next guy across from us, started uh, discussing with us how our day was going, uh, how were we enjoying our trimet ride. Um, it was only nine more months until he got his license back due to being suspended for the UI. Um, you know, things like that nature. And, and, and then he uh, started discussing race relations with us on the max, and, and that went really well. Um, you know, he was a middle-aged white guy, uh, and uh, us being Hispanic women uh, started informing him, um, yes, actually Portland is, is very racist, and Oregon is a very racist state, but you probably didn't know that because you are a white guy. But if you have time, we can tell you about it. And then it made DUI guy very sad, and he had to get off the train to go get a drink. So, uh, <laughs> my right ended, my ride ended that night, the end of the line, the yellow line, getting off at the PSU, waiting another 20 minutes for the last bus to take me home, and uh, I got off the bus, and uh, the black woman who had been sitting next to us while we were having this discussion said, you know, you're, you're smart and I like you, and thank you for telling that guy uh, what's what. And uh, we hugged him and we went our separate ways, and uh, TriMet, it can be, it can be a little disconcerting at times, especially when you're sitting to like crazy, cracked out people, and they're asking you to buy crap, or they're asking if you want to buy crap. Personally, I don't want to buy crap. I don't know about you. Um, but it's sometimes you can meet interesting people on it, and uh, it's got some value in that alone, even if you want to deal with a few crazy people on the
of the TriMet produced Chillax and on the Max by Dynamix, which is written and performed by New Res and Mighty Mouse or Mighty Moose. There's an E, I don't know. Uh, but here we go. Better make me dance or I'm gonna bust a mess. There'll be some ass busting. <laughs> me and my boys chilling on the max and the bus. Looking both ways before stepping dog. That is a must. Wait, 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 wait. This isn't a real rap. It's like you're just talking. It's a reading, but it's also in five-point font, so <laughs> after several uh, Mad Maxes, it's several, you know, it's somewhat difficult. <laughs> Dynamix from P.O. That's Portland, Oregon. Uh, we on the safety tip, so we safely get to the hot spots, and every place we hit, Mighty New Res, rip it with some background dancers. Yeah. Hop the max to the Lloyd Center. Question mark. <laughs> Hit me back with an answer, but keep your fair receipt. Ticket, pass, or transfer. Feet off the seat, or you'll never get the chance to. <laughs> Chill with me again. Listen to boss talk. Even on the block, respect signals and crosswalks. Yes, yeah, <laughs> Okay, dog, let me break it down for a minute. Trimet and Dynamix, we were bound to get it. Swoop through the max just to get around the city. Found some real rappers from. Get this bus a drink, ladies and gentlemen. No more drinks with everything. from Portland. Buckle up, it's showtime. There's two more verses and a whole other album produced by TriMed. Chillaxin' on the max, find it, pay, probably nothing. <laughs> this, but I remember who I was going to say earlier. Yay! Um, okay, so who's taking a bike on the max? Anybody? 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 Yes? Okay. So I love it how every time you take a bike on the max, it's always like, my bike is sexier than your bike, with the other bikers on the max. It always is. 
because you get your bike up there and it's hung up on that hook, and it's and it's got its it's got all its stuff and it's got all its accessories and its gear and its little like bells and whistles and little cool things that you put on your bike and your stickers and all your like bike propaganda and all the stuff that you have on your bike. Whether you're the bike propaganda person or you're like the really cool sexy mountain bike or like tripped out road bike or like high end carbon bike with all the like cool features and stuff, it's always a it's always my bike is sexier than your bike and you can tell when someone is sizing up your bike and like checking it out and looking at it you're like excuse me that's my bike I don't know I'm just saying so like sometimes there's been those moments when you're just like you're totally sizing up my bike. And you can tell. Anyway, I'm just saying. Can I say something? What do you want to say, Buzz? Buzz is going to talk. My bike is totally sexier than your bike.
Thank you for listening, Ass Kickers, and be on the lookout for future podcasts by our crew. We hope that you agree that this live recorded episode featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast was brought to you by Doug Kent Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. Tainted women in this division perform for out-of-state kids at the late show. Check out our newly redesigned website at orhistory.com. There, you can subscribe to this podcast and have it delivered through RSS directly to your device. And starting today, you can comment on the podcast and other posts on the site. You can pick up Oregon History merchandise, learn about upcoming Oregon History events, and read of our adventures as Oregon's rock and roll historians. Follow us on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. You can also like us on the Facebook. Our email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass. Some lucky young man